world-renowned flutist Gary Straussis and Grammy-nominated pianist David Lons are both on the phone with us today to talk about their collaboration on the upcoming Narada CD, Spirit Romance. Missed five, end of ages. It's the final game in the popular New Age series, and we've got a copy waiting for you. Keep listening, we'll tell you how to take it home. Escapes number two. I'm Pete Havey for Mystic Soundscapes Internet Radio. Thanks for tuning in. Grab a cup of coffee and relax. We've got a great show lined up for you today. But before we get started, I wanted to thank our dedicated listeners for sending in their music requests. You know, in the brick and mortar radio business, which I've been a part of for almost 20 years, a lot of song requests come through on the phones. And if you're a listener, you can never really be sure if they'll play the song you want. Well, in the internet radio world, we do things a bit differently. Here at Mystic Soundscapes, when you send a music suggestion through our website, we'll check to see if we're playing the track, and if we are, I'll make sure it's scheduled for you in one of our upcoming playlists. Now, I should point out that due to music industry rules, we're not allowed to tell you when a song will be played, but I do my best to get your request scheduled within 24 to 48 hours. I know that sounds like a long time, but remember, we've got over a thousand songs in the library, so you're not going to hear a song repeat every 30 to 45 minutes like you do on most of your local radio stations. If we're not currently playing the song you want, I'll do my very best to locate a copy and get it into our rotations for you as soon as possible. (laughs) That is, of course, as long as your song fits into our station's format. We got a request uh, for Aerosmith a couple weeks ago. (laughs) Whoever sent that one in, thanks so much for thinking of us for your music needs. While I really, really like Aerosmith's music, it, it doesn't quite fit into the category of meditative. So while we couldn't fulfill that request, here's one we were able to help out with. Kevin, one of our dedicated listeners back in Virginia, emailed me a few months back asking about an artist named Gandalf. Now, at the time, we weren't playing Gandalf's music on the station, so I did some research for Kevin, located Gandalf through the internet, and just recently added quite a few tracks to the station playlists. We're also working with Gandalf to schedule an interview in a future Escape show. So, Kevin, thanks a lot for your heads up. I really appreciate your dedication and hope you enjoy hearing Gandalf's music on Mystic Soundscapes. Remember, if you'd like to make a request, we've got a music suggestion box on almost every page of our site at mysticsoundscapes.com. Your email address is not required, but if you want us to help you locate an artist or a song, it's a good idea to send it along. And don't worry, we never sell or rent email lists, so your address is completely safe. Okay, let's kick off the show once again with the latest in the world of New Age music. Here's a New Age and Contemporary Instrumental Music News Update for August 26th, 2005. Direct from the Mystic Soundscapes Artist Hotline, there's news today from Corey Lene Carruthers and Diane Arkenstone, who both called in with updates. Hi, it's Corey Lene Carruthers. I wanted to let you know that my CD is almost ready to be released. We are looking for a September date, and we're really excited about it, and I hope you all are too. And come visit us at www.corytunes.com. Talk to you later. Thanks. Hi, everyone. This is Diane Arkenstone, and I just wanted to fill you in on some of the updates. At my website at neopacifica.com, all the music now has been uploaded so it can be bought and downloaded in MP3 files. I also have a brand new Anima release, which is Native American music, and it's called Ancient Visions. And that's up on the website now in the download form only, and then in November it will be in CD form as well. 
and for sale on the site and in the stores. And my latest release, The Best of Diane Arkenstone, is for sale in all the stores and on my site as well and has been at the top of the New Age chart since March. I'm recording five different projects right now and getting ready to tour pretty soon, and I'll keep you updated on the tour date. Thank you so much. In other music news, Hans and Kim from the group Rasa say they've got two new CDs on the way. The first will be released this November. Look for the second next spring. That's the latest from the world of new age and contemporary instrumental music, direct from the Mystic Soundscapes Artist Hotline. Let's check out the top-rated tracks for the past 30 days on Mystic Soundscape's Internet Radio. This will be our top 10 from July 24th through today, August 26, 2005. According to votes from our listeners online, in at number 10 from the CD Karma, it's Delirium with Forgotten Worlds. Lizbeth Scott comes in at number 9 with Reveal from her Passionate Voice album. Number 8 is Maggie Sansone with Medieval Set from Mystic Dance. Lorena McKennett's The Mystic's Dream comes in at number seven. That's off her CD, The Mask and Mirror. Number six, Doug Sparling with The Old Stone Bridge from the album of the same name. John Mark gets the number five spot from his CD, The Standing Stones of Kalanish. It's Autumn Leaves Fall. In at number four, The Water Garden from the Aquarius CD by Diane Arkenstone. David Lons and Gary Strauss take the number three spot with the premiere of their track, Blue Largo, from their upcoming Spirit Romance collaboration. At number two from Ryan Farish's recent release, From the Sky, it's Cry No More. And at number one on the Mystic Soundscape's radio charts for the past 30 days, from the Mist 4 soundtrack, it's Peter Gabriel with the instrumental version of Curtains. That's our top tracks report for the past 30 days. And remember, we post our top five list every week on our homepage at mysticsoundscapes.com. So be sure to check in. Today on Escapes, we're honored to have not one, but two icons of world and contemporary instrumental music. Flutist Gary Strautzis and pianist David Lons are both here today. This interview was recorded on August 8th, just a day before Mystic Soundscape's first anniversary. And we'll hear from both Gary and David about their backgrounds in the New Age music industry. And then we'll discuss their new project, Spirit Romance, coming out this September. Our first guest today is a master composer and flutist who's recorded over 15 albums in his career so far, has over 20 years' experience in jazz, Afro-Cuban, and American Indian styles, Gary Strautzis. Welcome, Gary. Hi, how's it going, Pete? Thanks for having me. You and uh, David are collaborating on uh, what promises to be an incredible piece of work, Spirit Romance, and we're going to get uh, into that in just a few minutes. But first, I wanted to talk with you a little bit about your background. You're recognized as one of the world's leading players of the uh, American Indian courting flute, is that right? This is true. I've done a lot of historical work with American Indian friends of mine. Uh, helped start a Native American label in Bismarck, North Dakota called Makoche Records, where I was really honored to spend time with different people from the uh, various tribes on the plains of Dakota and bring some of their stories and songs to life, not only through the, the recording industry, but also sharing the stage with these people. And it's really been uh, a unique journey for me. What was it that started you on that journey? How did that begin? Well, like you said, I studied uh, American jazz and Afro-Cuban music for a long time. I was very interested in working in the jazz and Afro-Cuban music world, being a music ethnologist, you could call me, in that field. I had a great opportunity to 
study with James Newton, one of the foremost jazz flute players alive today, and Danilo Lozano, a great Afro-Cuban musicologist and flute player. His father was one of the most famous flute players ever to come to America, Rolando Lozano, who played with Cal Jader, Mongo Santa Maria. So I was very, very fortunate to work in that world, but I wasn't going to live in Miami, Los Angeles, or New York City, where these people reside and where the music is alive. Here in Seattle, Washington, I had Latin bands, but it just wasn't the same not having these type of people and their associates around. So what happened, Pete, was I just got a little older and and the clubs were just really hard on me being a band leader. It's really tough to execute not only the music but the personnel. So I took a journey to North Dakota and I had a great opportunity to meet Keith Bear, Brian Akipa, Kevin Locke, helped start Makoche Records. So my journey into the American Indian music world was really just a healing for myself to get away from the hectic pace of the music that you know it's always been about the flutes and it's just different type of music right and it's a whole different different field than than what you normally get in the music industry yeah i mean i've been very fortunate to know about you know paul horn and know about dr lozano and then james newton and and it's just i transposed a lot of the my instincts led me to a good place to working with the American Indie in people and trying to not do the romantic recordings. I know if you've seen my website and you've looked into my history, you can see that my work has been a little bit more on the cultural preservation side. You, you mentioned uh, that you're also on stage with uh, the American Indian people. Can you talk a little bit about that? Well, I currently have a group called People of the Willows that is with Keith Bear, one of the foremost men, Dan Hidatsa, storytellers and flute players, uh, Jovino Santos Neto, a great Brazilian composer and piano player that worked with Hermento Pasqual for 15 years, a famous Brazilian artist, myself, and sometimes various uh, different Native American storytellers or even dancers, but we're really excited to to bring uh, a little bit of Keith's world to life on the stage, not only with the traditional music, but also fusing some of the world music aspects. So really it's not just the music, it's just a, a huge production is what it is. Well, it's not huge. It's not like what Peter Buffett tried to put on or what Robert Mirabal did with Painted Cave where they had an actual rock band. But it, 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 it's uh, keyboards and piano and I play all the world percussion and all the American Indian flutes and Keith tells compelling stories about his people. And a little of it's based actually on the Lewis and Clark celebration because that's the 200 year celebration and we're also involved in doing signature events along the Lewis and Clark trail so it's a great opportunity for the american indian people to tell a little bit about their view and stories of what happened with lewis and clark or just you know how life has evolved for them today i did uh, i did read on your website that uh, in association with that lewis and clark uh deal that you actually went to the white house back in 97 was that it uh yes i did i don't really talk about that a lot but i was honored that ken burns asked me to tour Uh, promoting the PBS film in 97, which did lead to a command performance, kind of an opening piece of music from the film. And that was quite an honor because I had a chance to play an American Indian flute uh, at a place like the White House. 
I also saw on your website you uh, give workshops and classes mm-hmm. and lectures. Can mm-hmm. you talk a little bit about those? Well, that's basically my way of giving back a little bit of what has been shared with me because I, I told you I've had a unique opportunity to work with not only American Indian artists that play the flutes, but I know the finest flute makers. Right. And they've shared a lot of personal things with me. So my friend Paul Thompson from the Echoes of Canyon Duchesne record, we went to Canyon Duchesne and recorded historical songs. His mother was born in the canyon and was raised there as a child. Wow. And it meant a lot to Paul to go back to the canyon because you can't just go to Canyon Duchesne and start recording. He's a tribal member and we, we went through all the proper protocol. But the workshops are about me teaching techniques on how to play, talking about improvisation, and, and, and also sharing uh, the traditional vocal love songs that have been transposed to the flute. Because to be honest with you, Pete, there's really not a lot of interest in the historical American Indian music as there is, you know, as you know, there's a lot of records out right. with a lot of different instrumentation. I mean, I have records like that that I did back in the late 90s, but I seem to have found a home back with cultural preservation because I think it means so much to the people. Right. And as you living in New Mexico, I think you understand a little bit about the people and how important their culture is. You know, it's their way of getting some respect and dignity. I mean, as we get into this, it'll lead to David and I doing Spirit Romance, the title track. Paul Thompson, who I mentioned, his wife suddenly passed away of a heart attack in Albuquerque. And we did a very old Zuni coming in dance song that he taught me. And we did a arrangement for it. And we have a Lummi Indian Nation violin player on it. And it's it'll bring you to tears. It's a real haunting tribute. Paul really appreciated it. He was just here in Seattle. Uh, Paul lives in Albuquerque, and he's a fascinating man, and you might want to interview him about his life. He's one of the first people to make American Indian flutes and sell them in the Southwest to non-Indian people, and he did do that recording, Echoes of Canyon Deshae. You know, I can go on and on, but I'm very committed to the workshops and, and teaching people about the music. If you could recommend one of your albums to somebody who's not yet familiar with your music, which one do you think it would be? Well, I live in different worlds. I have Oru with the Afro-Cuban stuff. I have the Spirit Romance coming out with the beautiful piano and, and Glenn Velez and the percussion. I have the solo Native American. I have Pacific Moon with the Japanese Kodo. I mean, people tend to gravitate to Pacific Moon. And if it was the American Indian music and they wanted to hear pure songs from the American Indian people, it would probably be Echoes of Canyon Duchesne because that's close to my heart. But a lot of my Makoche titles, which I don't know if you know about that label in North Dakota, there's a lot of records there, Winds of Honor, because I worked with Sitting Bull Descendants. Well, uh, there's certainly plenty more information on your website at GaryStraussis.com. And again, we'll be talking with uh, you and David about uh, Spirit Romance in just a few minutes. And I guess what we'll do is get David on here. And he's uh, sitting out here drinking his coffee, so I'm going to pass David Lawn. Okay. Lawn, not land, lawn. <laughs> okay. All right? Very thank good. <laughs> All right, thanks, Pete. Escape. 
Next on our list today is a man whose compositions helped forge the New Age music movement over 20 years ago. He's a legend in the industry, Grammy-nominated pianist David Lons. Hey, Pete. Hi, David. How are you? Good, man. Nice to chat you up in person for once. Oh, I know. Thanks for being with us today. Yeah. We're really looking forward to the Spirit Romance CD, obviously, but as I was telling Gary, I wanted to get maybe a little bit of background for our listeners about uh, you and then where you've come from and where you're headed in your musical career. How did you get started on your musical path to begin with? Well, if you go all the way back, <laughs> if you ask, you know, the more I live, the farther back that I have to go to remember all that stuff. Uh, no, I kind of was a child. Uh, I was ready to go. I was four years old. I started taking piano lessons, and uh, I just did that. started writing music at 10 and uh, fired my piano teacher at 12 <laughs> and started playing in little rock and roll bands, and, uh, but was always trying to do, um, I was always slipping in my own tunes into my little groups. And by the time I was, I guess, in my 30s, I'd already had been recorded, had been in some semi-successful kind of rock groups, progressive rock groups and, and such. And um, along the way, I played a lot of jazz, funk, country, classical, progressive rock. And then by, I guess, in the late 70s, I was doing some yoga, and I was listening to Stephen Halperin's first record, the uh, Spectrum Suite. You remember that? Oh, right, yes. And, and listening to that music, I went... Wow, I really like the mood and the feeling, the atmosphere, but uh, I thought, huh, it'd be interesting if you actually could ha create that same atmosphere, but only write real songs. I've been a songwriter, written thousands of songs. So I kind of just combined my love for that, uh, you know, putting people in that space, headspace or body space, you know, but then doing it with, with melody. And at one point, some famous radio guy said that Suzanne Chani and I were going to write the hits for the new age, you know. Well, I think you certainly have, actually. Well, I think I did okay there. <laughs> <laughs> so that was really, you know, and then by the time I was, you know, in my 30s, I'd been kind of working through these things. And Narada Records was, at that time, they weren't a record company. They were just a distribution company. I sent them a copy of my first solo piano record that I self-produced. And this was about 83, I believe. That was called what, Heart Sounds? Heart Sounds. Yes. And there weren't too many labels around at that time. In fact, I just sent a copy to them just to get them uh, excited about just maybe doing some distribution for me, you know, hmm. buy a few cassettes for me. And they called me up shortly after receiving uh, the Heart Sounds cassette and said, you know, we're starting a label. We've got Michael Jones and Gabriel Lee. And we'd like to add you to the list. And so I was thrilled because no one else was offering me anything <laughs> at that time. <laughs> and it was just a little tiny company in Milwaukee, just with very few people working there. And I met up with them and, and started my career with Narada. Uh, and then Paul Spear and I were working simultaneously kind of together in the studio doing soundtrack work. And, and uh, Paul was doing his own kind of you know, new age rock stuff on the side right and we combined forces with Jan Nickman our friend who was a filmmaker and we created the uh, Natural State series of videos and video albums and that's when the radio thing really kicked in first because Behind the Waterfall was one of the songs on Natural States big hit yeah and it was I think I've been told it's probably the first hit in new age music you know Wow. At least one of them. I guess it was between me and Ray Lynch. He had Celestial Soda Pop, if you remember that song. Right. <laughs> it was a while back. Little ditties, you know, but, <laughs> but they kind of had the sound of the, the synthy, you know, the DX7, which was a popular sound back then. Hmm. And then I wrote Christopher's Dream, and then, you know, it all hit the fan, and from there it was just kind of a nonstop unfolding of numerous projects, you know, working with orchestras, working with the rock band, solo projects. 
I just finished a smooth jazz record for Decca. In fact, I just finished the last tour with my band. And now with Gary, we've done something completely different than the smooth jazz thing, but really I'm more, I'm much closer to my, uh, more the new age and the introspective roots with Spirit Romance. And it's a beautiful recording. We've just really turned out lovely. shocked that your major success came from such a different musical style than what you you planned on starting with yeah you know i wanted to be i wanted to be a pop star you know i wanted to be a rock and roll star and then <laughs> when it finally started happening with new age music i was a little chagrined because the way i got there was by simplifying my style just so drastically because up until then it was like how many notes can you play and how you know how fast and how impressive and and i was like i said playing a little jazz and stuff so I was interested in, in doing things that were more intellectually complex right. but then the whole thing about trying to create that space that Stephen Halpern was creating uh, on the piano basically my philosophy was can I take this atmosphere and make it accessible to my grandmother so that <laughs> exactly. I kind of went for that so I, you know and if you come to my shows I have it's all ages man it's amazing it's, I've kind of struck a chord with Plus, there's a lot of piano players that end up showing up to my at my my performances, and and students and their teachers come in flocks, and they're all buying the songbooks now, and they're you know they're learning the songs, and the kids are playing Christopher's Dream at their recitals, and <laughs> so that part of it was kind of a surprise to me. That was the biggest surprise about my career, because once I finally got to you know be on stage and do my thing, I did like Sky and Fire Dance, which is really dynamic. That ended up being a very good concert album. I still play off that album because it's exciting, you know. Right. And it's a nice contrast to the really introspective music, which is lovely, but if you just do nothing but that, people tend to get a little too sleepy, I think. And that's probably the biggest criticism that people lay on New Age music, that it's just kind of this, you know, wafting, noodling, formless music. Like the joke goes, what do you get when you play New Age music backwards? You know, more New Age music. <laughs> so, I haven't heard that one. That's good. Yeah. <laughs> and even my music, I thought, was sometimes too forefront for a lot of people who wanted to meditate and do things because they would rather not hear any melody or any form and just have this kind of, you know, almost a, a kind of a beautiful drone in the background. Right. And there's something to be said for that. But I wasn't interested in that. I was interested in, you know, I like pop music. Or, I mean, I grew up with that pop instrumental stuff, you know. I loved surf music, and I loved Henry Mancini and, and uh, The Ventures. And, and, you know, of course, I was a big Beatles fan and then got a chance to work with some of the Procol Harum members. And, wow. You know, I had a chance to work with Hugh Padgham and McCartney's keyboard player and Peter Gabriel's drummer. And, you know, so I've, I've been able to live kind of part of my little rock fantasy out as well right. and blend it with, you know, my so-called new age approach to the piano and it just you know i've been really blessed man it's been great it's it's and what i like about you too is that you you do experiment with the different styles and your, your latest album what is it the good life right right um very up-tempo really lots of fun to listen to yeah it's a good car record you know yeah you don't is. want to meditate to it right <laughs> but spirit romance is going to go right into your cd player in your bedroom you know How did the two of you, uh, you and Gary, meet originally? We were living in basically in the same neighborhood, a little neighborhood in Seattle, and Gary one day saw me walking down the street, and he was on his bike, and he just motored over and said, hey, 
are you the David Lons? And, and we just started chatting, and he, we had a little meeting. He said he was, you know, he, he had just finished his first solo flute record, and uh, he wanted some feedback and wanted to know what I thought about the music. And, you know, we just kind of had that kind of connection. That was the first time we had met. So we started getting together, having coffee and talking, and I was saying, hey, your music is great, and, you know, maybe you should try this, that, and the other thing. And uh, we started collaborating a little bit. Actually, I hooked him up with John Sari because John was working with a flute player who was doing that kind of native style. I thought Gary was much more accomplished and more in tune, and I thought John would, you know, would do well by working with Gary. And they they hit it off really well. They did that record, Hidden World, and they they worked together for a while. And then I produced a record for Gary called Pacific Moon, which again was very ambient, but. Sari came in as one of the players, and also, right, well, Glenn Velez was our percussionist on that, so we really liked working with Glenn, so, you know, Glenn came in and worked with us on Spirit Romance. But anyway, just to answer your question, the roundabout way, it's just been kind of a long, you know, progression of talking about what we would do, and part of it, I had to wait to finish up certain recording commitments before I could actually commit to doing a project. I didn't want to go in half-heartedly, you know? Right. But a few years ago, we did do a... Gary brought a couple of Native American melodies to me, and we had a chance to to be part of this Narada thing called I Am Walking. And I sat down and, you know, put some chords and kind of created an arrangement around the, the melodies that Gary had. And we ended up doing a couple songs. And the president of the label loved it. And so he's always kind of secretly, or not so secretly, just been saying, you know, someday if you and Dave ever want to just, you know, do a whole record like that, or at least start at that point, you know, we'd love to put it out. So... So one of the last things that he did was he kind of made a commitment to Gary and I to, um, you know, make it possible for us to, you know, spend the time it was going to take to do this record. And uh, so Gary and I just started doing some little sketches. We didn't, usually the way I approach my records is I write the songs and then I just, uh, I play them forever until I work everything out and it's all kind of a, you know, I've got everything just dialed in exactly pretty much where I want, at least from the piano's perspective. Right. Then I take that in the studio, and then I start adding the other instruments on top of the piano. But on this thing, we just we sketched out the melodies and just had a kind of a, a just a um, more of a, an approach that you would think like a jazz group would do, where you go in the studio, you don't really have everybody doesn't know exactly what they're going to do, and you just you base the uh, the music on a couple of sketches, but then you, you rely heavily on impro- improvisation. And we did that in this old house I live in, uh, just north of Seattle. I had just moved in, and the sound in this house is just amazing. And uh, so we cut the flute and the piano live, mostly first, second, and third takes, and all based on improvs. And it was just, you know, it was just was one of those magical things. It just, it happened, you know. It sounded great, and it worked really well. So we took those improvisations and then added... Um, John Sari came in. We added a friend of ours, Keith Lowe, who's kind of a super sideman bass player. He worked with Bill Frizzell and Fiona Apple and a lot of varied and sort of people. And we really liked Keith. Keith was a big fan of John Sari and that kind of ambient music. So he played upright bass, which is a beautiful sound. And then Glenn Velez came in, and he was our drummer, and not a bad little group, you know. Then the title track was really a beautiful story. Gary had had a dream. It was Easter morning. We actually, we were working in my home. And he had a, had a dream about a friend who had just passed away. And in the dream, he was hearing the song that this woman's husband had taught him. It was a Navajo uh, couple. And uh, he played me this melody that he'd heard in the dream. And I went, well, that's cool. So I just put some quick chords on it. And we turned the tape recorder on one take. Boom. Amazing. Title track. Yeah. That's <laughs> amazing. And then we also, another through another series of events, I, I ended up meeting this Lummi Indian solo violinist named Swilk. 
Canem, and he's a kind of virtuoso. He's an Indian. He doesn't play. You would you listen to his music? Doesn't sound his music doesn't sound native. He just sounds like a like a classical violinist who's kind of improving in this really beautiful kind of way. Wow! So we brought him in the studio, and he loved the song and and the story behind it, and uh, so that added a really nice you know emotional element the solo violin is just a, it's a beautiful sounding instrument you know you know the entire cd so far just sounds like it was a true labor of love for you guys yeah you guys... we really yeah we poured our heart and soul into it and and uh spent a lot of time making sure that everything was just right you know like gary likes to say i'm a tough room you know i <laughs> i know when things are working and when they're not i like records that you can play endlessly you know so you don't get tired of listening to it because nothing there is really grating on you it's just as it's creating the space that you want to create, you know. Exactly. And uh, allow people to either, either have it on in the background or have it in the forefront, you know, where they they can be an active, actively listening and letting the music kind of... It, it'll transport you. You know, you don't want to operate heavy machinery when you listen to some of this music. You, know? <laughs> you need a warning label on it, right? Yeah. <laughs> Um, I was going to ask you, uh, on this, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but you play the Shao flute? Yes, sir. Um, I read on your website that the Shao is rarely heard outside of China. Is that true, and why is that? Because it's an instrument that just didn't gain popularity like the bamboo Japanese shakuhachi, where you've had a lot of people like Riley Lee and people from outside the discipline go to Japan, study with masters. You've got a lot of Japanese bamboo flute music that you can buy not only in traditional Japanese arena, but as you know, I guess we can say in the instrumental New Age arena, you've, there's a lot of people that can play the shakuhachi quite well. Mm-hmm. Well, I happen to be in San Francisco at Clarion Music Center, which is a really cool world music store in Chinatown, and there were the, these flutes hanging on the wall, and I got to meet Lu, a master Chinese flute player who lives in San Francisco but goes back and forth to China to play in symphonies. He actually did a command performance in a house for Yo-Yo Ma while they did that Silk Road thing. And he was impressed that I took an interest in this instrument. So he got me some really nice quality made ones by Master Hung somewhere in one of the provinces in China where the pest bamboo grows. So when David decided that he would take a real serious look at working at Spirit Romance, I went in deep and really worked hard on trying to get the sound the best I could. It's a really hard instrument to play. It's not a lot harder than a Native American flute. It's a different, but it has a different sound than the shakuhachi, which you'll hear on the record. So in a way, I'm introducing an instrument not only lost in time, but something that could maybe reach you know, more people and other flute players might want to look into playing this instrument. Well, I can't wait to hear it. It's, it just sounds like a fantastic project that you guys have put together here. You have someone like Glenn Velez, who's a long collaborator with Paul Winter. And you're also talking about the preeminent frame drummer in the world. Uh, it's amazing to hear how he took what he knows how to do and he shifted out of South Indian music and out of ragas and things that move really quick and odd time signatures and he put his signature and fingerprint on this music and it's i just couldn't be happier with the rhythm section and what like david said john siri who's been around a long time he goes all the way back to christopher's dream we 
we brought John in on a couple songs. It's, uh, it's just beautiful. Really a great group of guys. When are we going to be able to look for spirit romance in the stores? September 13th is the street date, as they say. I also noticed on uh, Gary's website, both of you will be performing together in September as well in support of the album, right? Right. Actually, there's going to be a number of shows starting in September. We'll get you the list. Yeah, we're compiling that now. It'll be about a half a dozen dates or so, maybe a few more thrown in here. Uh, last second, but at the moment, most of them are going to be around the uh, winter holiday time. And I'm, I traditionally go out and do a number of shows during the holidays. So yeah, Gary will be joining me. We'll be doing some of the music from Spirit Romance, uh, and that record will be out at that time. So we're, you know, we're glad that it's, you know, we have a chance to um, do this stuff live now because we've been pretty much focusing just on the studio part of it. Um, well, that's the exciting part to bring it to life, Pete, to the people, because the nature of the music is all tailored for live as you well know a lot of the recordings we get across the desk folks have a hard time reproducing the music because there's so many tracks being shipped you know from studio to studio but for us to get up as a duo or even solo or with quartet moon with the rhythm section it's exciting because i feel and i've talked to david about this bringing this music to life in an honest way and being able to play the songs live will really be exciting, I think. And folks, remember that Spirit Romance with David Lons and Gary Strauss is available everywhere September 13th on Narada. For more information, you can visit Gary's website. It's GarySTroutsis.com. Let me spell that for you. S-T-R-O-U-T-S-O-S or David Lons' online home at DavidLons.com L-A-N-Z. And uh, guys, thank you so much for uh, taking the time to be with us today and for the fantastic and wonderful music that you both continue to bless us with. Great Appreciate that, Pete. Yeah. That's great. Thank you. anniversary contest went over really well and I want to congratulate the lucky group of people who walked away with prizes in our winner a day contest. Gregory Riggs, Janice Lee, the UK's Alan Greer, Aaron Flory, Peter Averill, Allison Kenworthy, and Lucy Smith. Also want to say thanks to Corey Lene Carruthers, Amil Carr, Michael Doolin, Diane Arkenstone, Rhonda Lawrence, Steve Roach, and Brian Henke for being so generous and providing us with the prizes for our first anniversary celebration. So what's in store for September? Let's check it out. In the early 90s, computer gamers were treated to something completely different than the shoot-em-up violence that's so prevalent in games today. A computer game that transported us to a mysterious island where we located clues, solved puzzles, and used linking books to visit beautiful ages, filled with mesmerizing images and meditative music. Since then, Myst has become a worldwide phenomenon. In fact, the graphics and sound in these games are so peaceful that lots of people use them to relax and unwind. If you're a regular listener of Mystic Soundscapes, you know we play several songs from the game soundtracks, which are becoming classics in themselves. This September, the Myst series comes to a close with the release of Myst 5 End of Ages. In conjunction with Ubisoft, we're giving away a copy of Myst 5 this September. Now, I can't reveal all the details yet, but the contest will involve locating a few clues strategically placed around our website, as well as between the songs on our radio station. It's going to be a lot of fun, so be sure to check out our site. Details will be posted in early September for your chance to win your very own copy of Myst 5 End of Ages.
keep your eyes on our website in September. We're working on a few new things for you there. In our online store, we'll be adding CD copies of our popular three-minute getaways. If you haven't tried one of these things yet, you better get to it. Each getaway lets you close your eyes for three minutes and imagine you're somewhere else. I actually created these after one of my many daydreams at work. I was doing it constantly, and I figured, hey, people should be allowed to daydream anytime they want. So basically, the getaways give you an excuse to drift off for a few minutes a day. We all need an excuse, don't we? We're constantly thinking of new ways to make mysticsoundscapes.com easier and more fun to use, so if you've got a comment or a suggestion, please feel free to pass it along. That pretty much wraps up eScapes for today. Remember, you can always visit the show online at mysticsoundscapes.com slash netcast, where you can download our shows in two formats, one big MP3 file or iPod-friendly individual tracks, which make it a lot easier to organize in your MP3 player. There are also instructions there if you want to subscribe for free and have your podcast software download our new shows automatically when they become available. Watch for our next show in mid to late September. Thanks for listening. For Escapes, I'm Pete Havey. Escapes.